Yes, hello, and welcome to Bio2040, where we interview thought leaders in the field of, of biomedical research, drug discovery, and we try to uncover the biggest bottlenecks and opportunities that will ultimately hopefully lead to curing all of human diseases. And today I'm very excited to have both Sam Hindle and Daniela Soderi from an initiative called Pre-Review uh, on, and we'll, we'll, they're both uh, neuroscientists. Um, Sam is working at uh, BioArchive now, and Daniela is a PhD candidate currently at uh, Oregon uh, Health. And yeah, welcome guys. Hi, Hi. thank you for having us. <laughs> No, it's wonderful. It's it's my pleasure to have you guys on. Uh, and uh, may, yeah, maybe to kick things off, uh, why don't you guys um, give us a quick background on on who you are, and then we'll we'll transition into uh, how you guys uh, came up with the idea of pre-review. So, Sam, do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I just start by saying, um, Daniela and I share a passion for improving the way that scientists communicate their research and. We really wanted to encourage more openness and inclusivity um, in the whole dissemination and also the assessment of like new research discoveries. Um, so that's kind of how we both got into the whole um, open science field. Um, and so I used to be actually an assistant professional researcher um, and before that a postdoc at the University of California uh, in San Francisco. Um, and I was there for about six and a half years and I was studying um, ways in which your brain um, is protected from all the potentially harmful molecules that can be circulating in your blood. Um, so basically, I spent most of my days dissecting tiny little fruit fly, uh, fruit fly brains um, and also avoiding coffee because uh, shaky hands do not make for uh, good dissections. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, but while I was there as a researcher at UCSF, um, I became kind of increasingly frustrated in the scientific publishing system um, and more and more driven to really make the whole process smoother and faster and just more open in general. Um, and so as part of that time while I was a researcher, I got involved in um, an organization called um, iBiology, and that's an open um, science seminar um, organization. They provide um, free open online science seminars. Um, and that was actually spearheaded by Ron Vale, which is why I'm mentioning this, um, because he also spearheaded ASAP Bio, which is, um, it stands for Accelerating Science and Publication in Biology. And it's a scientist-driven initiative to try and promote the use of um, early versions of manuscripts called preprints in biology. And that really got me into this area of um, science much more open and um, faster and smoother process of publishing. Um, and so I became an ambassador basically for ASAP Bio and that got me involved in a lot of different um, like town hall meetings um, and various events um, around preprints. And that's actually what where I met Daniela um, at a Mozilla Working Open workshop. Um, and I'll let Dan Daniela tell you a little bit more about that. Cool, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hi Flavio, thank you for having us here. Um, I'm a, a currently a PhD student at Oregon Health and Science University, um, and I study in the Department of Neuroscience, and I study how uh, attention and effort shapes uh, uh, behavioral representation and auditory representation in, uh, in the brain. And as Sam uh, said, we are both very passionate about uh, open science. I started 
uh, working with the, with the library, Robin Shampo, a couple of years ago. And um, I was introduced to amazing communities uh, like OpenCon and Mozilla, uh, which uh, have just basically changed uh, the way how I look at uh, scientific communication. I used to think that that was, you know, that's how things are. And mm. then I discovered this completely new way of thinking uh, and how things can actually be better. And I just felt like I wanted to be part of that. So um, I met them at uh, this working uh, open workshop that Mozilla uh, organizes around the world. And we had, we hosted one in Portland and we started chatting about, you know, frustrations with a current system of publication. She, we were both kind of attuned to um, what Esa Bio was doing, obviously Sam more as an ambassador. And um, then we started saying, you know, uh, I, I preprints are great, but unfortunately, like not very many scientists engage with them or even know what they are. And so we started talking like, what are ways that we can help uh, scientists kind of like discover what preprints are and also see what uh, the advantages of uh, hosting and reading preprints uh, can be for themselves. Mm -hmm. And at that time I've been running like a journal club for about, I think five years and journal clubs have this meetings that uh, a lot of scientists have uh, almost weekly in which uh, we do discuss a, a, an article that was usually recently published uh, and then there's like a lot of back and forth between scientists of every level of their careers like students and faculty and postdocs and, and we highlight like positive things and as well as like you know some problem problems that that publication that article might have uh, but the frustration is that you can't do anything about it like you can't actually change what's already published and so we were like why don't we start like reading preprints at journal clubs and so that's how you know sam and i were like how can we can how can we make this uh something that more researchers do mm. okay yeah great thanks for the intro guys uh mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about uh your initiative and, and i think maybe as part of that um it would probably be helpful to define uh what open peer review is and, and what problem uh open peer review is trying to address and maybe different kinds of uh peer review, open peer review? Yeah, so um, let me start a little bit about um, what our um, initiative is. So um, pre-review um, actually stands for post, read, and engage with preprint reviews. Um, and it's basically a platform um, that allows participants that are doing um, journal clubs and discussing preprints to then write up those discussions and put them as a review basically on our platform. And that just kind of helps to kind of break down the walls of journal clubs in a sense, because a lot of really interesting conversations go on at journal clubs and then they're kind of lost to the whole community. Um, so we thought it would be great to capture those discussions and then put them as reviews on our platform. Um, and we also thought it was a great opportunity for training early career researchers as well in actually doing peer review. Um, and also we kind of hoped maybe it would be a way of um, kind of encouraging early career researchers to be okay with being open about peer review. Um, and so we thought this would be a great way to support early career researchers. Um, and basically what our platform um, does is it allows you to put those reviews on the platform, but also we have resources on the platform too. Um, so you can learn about peer review um, and, you know, we have guidelines and how to even set up your preprint journal club, like email templates, for example, to kind of get a group together mm. um, and just kind of trying to support people as much as, as we can in, in, in doing these initiatives. Um, 
And so to talk a little bit about open peer review itself, um, there's kind of a lot of different definitions for open peer review. Um, and there was a really great um, publication that came out from um, Tony Ross um, Hellower. Um, and he basically found that there was actually about 22 distinctions of open peer review, which is obviously a, a lot of different mm -hmm. distinctions, but he felt, found that they fell into kind of about seven different categories. Mm -hmm. um, and what we tend to think about when we talk about open peer review is um, open reports. So that would be the publishing of peer review report at the actual publication, the actual article itself. Um, and that can then allow the readers to kind of see what was actually discussed during the peer review process and then kind of come to some conclusions themselves about um, what the paper's saying itself. Um, there's also mm -hmm. open identities. Um, and that's basically where the um, reviewers sign their reports. So um, the community would know um, who actually wrote those reports. Um, there's mm -hmm. also open participation, which basically means, you know, anyone can contribute to that peer review process and that's kind of what we're trying to encourage with pre-review as well to get the early career uh, researchers involved and like increase the diversity for example um of of you know opinions on peer review um there's also mm -hmm. open interaction um which is kind of cool that it's be so that there's um increasing the amount of interaction between the authors and the reviewers but also between the reviewers as well um, and kind of get a dialogue going during the peer review process um, and then there's a few others, they're the main ones, but the few others are like, you know, open pre-review manuscripts, which is kind of basically preprints and their associated commenting, um, open final version commenting, which is, you know, commenting on um, the manuscripts after they've been published, and then also open platforms, which I guess you could say pre-review is one of those. So a commenting site mm. that's external to the actual publishers. Um, mm. And so... Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of, I'll just very briefly say, there are, there are a few um, publishers and journals who are actually uh, using open peer review. Um, that includes, mm, mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's only about 2% of uh, the journals out there, but there's, um, it's, it's still a stat. And I think about 75% of the um, respondents to a survey that I think um, Tony Ross Hellower did um, said that they actually had been involved in some aspect of, you know, one of those definitions of open peer review, which is promising. So it is actually happening right now. Um, but yeah. some of the journals that are actively doing this, um, Biomed Central has actually been doing open peer review since 1999. Um, and I mm. think also the British, mm. yeah, so for quite a while, I was quite surprised when I found that out. Um, but also mm -hmm. journal, Embo, F1000 Research, eLife, I think Peer J are doing that too. Um, so there are quite a few journals who are already actively involved in open peer review. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't want to go on forever. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's important. It's important to get those, those uh, <laughs> in fact, out. Um, okay, now I need to stop because I'm, I'm getting an echo. I'm sure you guys use uh, phones maybe or? Um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm hearing myself, I just stopped now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I am. Um, I didn't move. Oh, thanks for that. Um, oh. thanks for those definitions. I think it's important to get them out. Uh, I wanted just to clarify for, for listeners, the, um, your platform, uh, and, and maybe just for to briefly what goes on in such a meeting, how does that for people that haven't been in, in, uh, journal, 
uh, review meetings. Uh, what's the process? If somebody uh, picks a paper and says, I would like to discuss it and it invites a bunch of colleagues or, or can you describe like, how does this meeting come about? And then maybe just briefly, like what happens there and what's the kind of, what's the goal or what's the, the outcome of such a meeting? Yeah. So thank thank you for that question. Um, so basically um, it's very similar to like a, basically traditional journal club, but instead of, so what happens is that uh, usually there are um, uh, turns, I guess, like uh, it's not like every week the same person presents, but like if it, um, you're like part of a group that like uh, usually, you know, meets uh, weekly uh, and then you choose and it's your turn to like present and you choose a, uh, a paper and you, or a publication and you uh, kind of uh, read it um, and present uh to, to the rest of the group, like the main findings. Uh, and then there is like this open discussion uh, that goes on about, uh, about the, the publication. And so for uh, preprints, it's basically the same thing, but instead of reading a published uh, article or I guess mm -hmm. a journal, a peer reviewed uh, article, it would be like a preprint. And so uh, the uh, idea though, is that there is a little more involvement um, into uh, taking notes of all of the, those mm -hmm. comments that go on because then what, uh, what we uh, kind of um, are trying to uh, encourage is to put all of these comments together into um, like a coherent uh, review, if you will, or even just like a paragraph with like there's a summarized mm -hmm. feedback from the group that can go back to the authors. And so this, um, the authors, but actually the general, the, the general public. So the um, bioarchive, um, has been out for a while, and as you know, um, the engagement with the, the posting of preprints has increased enormously in these past uh, four years mm -hmm. in the biological sciences. Uh, but what has not uh, increased is the amount that um, that can be posted openly in the comment session to those preprints, which is what I actually started doing. Like I, when we started doing preprints from a club before I met them, I was like posting our comments uh, on my archive directly. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like most of the people, if they were commenting and giving feedback to the authors, um, were doing it privately mm. um, via mm. email. And so we we actually think that those comments uh, have a lot of value and can be very useful not only to the authors but also to um, you know everyone else who wants to have a better insight of what's happening in that mm. piece of research. Um, and so we uh, found that we ran a survey and we found that some students, especially uh, so early career researcher, uh, were a little bit intimidated by putting their comments directly on BioArchive. So we were like, all right, let's try to provide a safer hmm. space, um, more of a learning, a learning hmm. platform in which, uh, you know, you can do this as a group and you can edit your, you know, your comments directly uh, online and then, um, and then, post it like in this so we wanted to build like a community mm. uh mostly that was a little bit separated and so there are pros and cons because i guess right now the con the the cons is that uh it's we need to find a way to link back those reviews to the preprints while we're mm. working on that uh and so um uh so but but the pros the, the pros is like that if we really uh, change the culture in a sense that like now students feel mm. more empowered uh into having their voices mm. heard um because we think that they actually contribute enormously to uh scientific evaluation because we have we are who are the people who are doing the experiments mm -hmm. every day so <laughs> especially in the metal sessions we have a lot to say about it but um so anyway so the what it does what, what we have 
encounters of our, I guess, um, uh, is a little bit of a problem with uh, time yeah. commitment because obviously uh, you not only have to spend an hour going over, you know, um, the research, but you also have to spend a little bit, bit of, bit of, bit of time writing up this comment. And so we are trying to implement new ways to facilitate uh, this. Like for, for example, we are encouraging the use of annotation uh, through um, uh, new technologies such as hypothesis uh, that allows you to directly annotate um, on the uh, preprint online. And so the idea is that the members of the, of the journal club can uh, just like write their comments directly and then like those comments can be put together afterwards so that you don't have to like remember what everybody said mm -hmm. things like that. so you know there are things that we can do to make it easier but that's pretty much it okay yeah very very uh very interesting mm -hmm. uh because uh you know well we've, we've been thinking about we've been looking at uh, i had um you know um ashley farley on from the uh the gates foundation we talked about this this open peer review uh, model that they're also using with the with the F one thousand platform and and so the, the some of the advantages and disadvantages of that and uh, especially I think that's really interesting uh, to uh, what well, you're providing this kind of safe space so what I'm hearing is like it becomes you're trying to establish this as a bit of a uh, uh, make it like a little less maybe serious not 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 less serious but like less uh, like make or break it's like more of a discussion and, and then i can like form my opinion yeah. and by talking with others about i could see whether the feedback that i think about the paper is sort of valid maybe before it gets put online and then and then and if everybody in the group agrees that it's a, a valuable criticism maybe then i will feel more empowered to put it online i could see yeah. that being an advantage yeah uh, yeah and and the other thing is that we give the possibility to like give put a DOI associated with review, but it's actually like not that um, it's still like a valuable, you know, information that we hope is it, it's used and incorporated in uh, journal mm -hmm. organized review. But it's more like that we're trying to um, ch change like uh, which is really hard, right? Change the culture and make it so that uh, we provide like a, mm -hmm. a platform for growth mm -hmm. where uh, students can really. Uh, say okay i'm gonna start because there is no training in peer yeah. review well, i mean there is there are some things online that we can talk about but like there is no formal training yeah. that i know of of how to write a peer review and then all of a sudden you become a postdoc and like all right you start getting asked and and you don't know how to do it so uh this would be like a possibility a way in which students can start doing this together with you know as since journal yeah. club has this like nature of career level and then oh, and when I, I was just gonna say and when I was yeah, a postdoc that's exactly what happened you know your your PI you know asks you to be well if you're lucky your PI will ask you to be involved in the process and it was a really great experience to actually be able to uh, contribute to this and I was lucky that my my PI you know he guided me through it and so you know I had a go at the um peer review report he did it too we met together we chatted over it for several hours and that was a really great learning experience but unfortunately not everyone has that opportunity and so we kind of thought that journal clubs are a really great way of getting that practice and we, as Daniela said we really want peer review to be <clears throat> a platform for growth um, and that you can start learning gradually and get that build that confidence like you said Flavio um, that you can you know, have been a club as like a sounding board and you can be like, okay, these are my thoughts. What do you guys think? And then when you get that confidence, you can then post it online. 
and just keep doing it. And the mm. more I kept doing peer review with my boss, the more confident I became in myself and my abilities and my opinions on critiquing, well, my abilities to critique other yeah. people's work. And that's what we want peer review to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I love it, guys. I am. Uh, I, I see the value of uh, you know. It, it, you know, as as a as a layman that I am, I, I you know, I, I you know, I, I see papers and I basically have no idea uh, on how to evaluate whether it's it's sound or not. Right? I can look at like, okay, what was the sample size? And if it's really tiny, I'll be a little, I'll be more critical. And then I can, if I get more and more involved, I can start learning about statistics and I can say, okay, well. Was it randomly controlled and things like that, right? But but it, it's hard, right? And so uh, uh, it, it seems like a really valuable thing for scientists, especially, yeah. to be able to critically discern uh, somebody else's work because it's going to influence um, what you're going to work on. And yeah, like it just it's just critical that people can establish what is good science. And, and so having more people trained in that seems like a really valuable. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it really improved my work as a scientist by going through that process. Hmm because you start to critique your own work in the same way that you would as a reviewer. And I think a lot of yeah. early career researchers miss out on that opportunity, which I think is a real shame. Yeah. No, I, actually, now that we've established this, it's, it seems crazy that this isn't a core. This should be like an absolute core building block of mm. any, any, I don't know, master's program, but at the very least at the PhD level, like everyone. Like, That's awesome. Can we quote? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we are trying to no, do. That's awesome. Like you should be involved in politics. Yeah. I, mean, I know. Yeah. I know. We are trying to do that. We're just like, why isn't this like, a, and, and you know, we are we build on the work of uh, Prachi Avaste, which is a uh, Bertis Kansas, and she is actually also in our advisory board. She's, she's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. And she has been teaching um, uh, how to, you know, uh, do peer review through uh, preferential clubs, like and as an actual course for undergrads. Mm. And so, mm. you know, we're working together to build this um, kind of uh, curriculum because there are very specific questions that you can ask about a paper, or I keep calling it paper, but it's wrong, about like a, a scientific output. It could be data, it could be anything mm -hmm. uh, to evaluate it. And mm -hmm. so, um, and the other thing is that we want to encourage constructive feedback. And that's uh, where, you know, the whole discussion of, signing your review versus not we really think that uh the same feedback negative or positive can be you know done constructively if you put a little bit of effort into it mm. so um we uh we really encourage to like look at the um uh the preprints in this case but uh any kind of scientific output from with a critical eye mm. but like still being respectful and like not just like shut it down without providing any you know, um, yeah. opportunity to just make that, uh, to, to have the author reply back and like explain further. And so, so far we had amazing uh, responses by the authors. I just want to mention that because I thought I didn't expect it, mm. but I got authors saying uh, things like, you know, you guys' review were comparable to the journal reviews they've gotten and you really helped us improve uh, the quality of our paper as well as um, the, how, clear, how clear we were at expressing that, you know, those concepts. Mm. So that was very rewarding. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, it's, it's something that you don't, it's not an institutionalized reward that I get as a student, mm. but it was very rewarding to me to get those kind of comments back because now I feel more confident. And I was like, okay, then my voice is actually worth listening mm. to. 
Yeah, no, it's critical. Yeah, so are you guys building a, a course that's uh, it's going to be like an online course? Or, I don't know. Like, how are we, What are you doing to spread the word of, about this? Uh, it sounds like a, a great mm-hmm. endeavor. So, I mean, we haven't built a curriculum yet. That's kind of our, um, on our roadmap, basically, for what we want to do. Um, but we just want to try and spread mm-hmm. the word um, across institutions first, just to get the idea out there that preprint journal clubs are a really great idea because there's so many journal clubs happening already like in all institutions all across the world mm. and it seems like a big feat but we basically want to make we kind of want to convert them in a sense or at least partially to be preprint journal clubs um, and if we can establish that then I think we would be happy campers <laughs> um, but then after that yeah. basically yeah we want to work with um, work with basically the graduate school um, to basic their programs to basically try and build those syllabuses like you were you were talking about and to be able to actually yeah. make it a more of a formal course and um, we haven't really got to that stage yet but um, that's definitely on our roadmap yes but we do have guidelines like we have guidelines on like yeah right as we as Sam said before um, that are more geared towards this is you know if you follow this question you can ask and they, they should you know, make it easier for uh, whoever is doing the review to just like answer those questions. And so we have a couple of different formats, like a what we call like quick quick reviewer worksheet or what worksheet, and it's like a more like just a quest answer question and answer kind of thing. And the other one is more this is how a more formal peer review should look like. And and we really mm. emphasize that the critical uh, that sorry the constructive feedback. Mm. Um, mm. And I guess another thing that I want to mention about uh, our mission and our vision is that um, a lot of discussion is going on around like uh, the current state of peer review and how early career researchers are actually cut out, like they're not usually uh, involved uh, in uh, journal-based peer review. And uh, I guess one of the reasons that the editors... uh, Kind of put forward is because they don't know who they are right because early career researchers have not published a lot yet mm-hmm. uh, by default and and so they the editors don't know who these voices are and so by um authoring those reviews in platforms such as peer review but there are other ways out there uh the idea is that you we can increase uh the the pool of possible reviewers that can be um i guess uh, asked to review by editors mm-hmm. and also you know you can show what your work mm-hmm. is it's kind of like a portfolio yes so. yes no i think we're hitting a really interesting point here uh which is you know around how uh to recruit these peer reviewers uh, they're typically not paid uh uh what what is and, and there's typically also no big uh, reward function for these people uh, well aside from the the personal interest in, in, in doing the work but um and, and contributing to science as, as a greater good but what i've been you know interviewing people on and, and learning about is is how um yeah peer, one, one of the ways peer review seems to be broken is that that it's 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 sometimes sometimes quite hard to recruit like uh good enough people to do this this critical review right because it's it sort of doesn't net directly impact your um ability to to publish your own things uh and, and that's what most people are still working on so uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Just one or two thoughts around around that. What is what is preventing um, people from doing uh, peer reviews in general, or, or maybe preventing people from doing more open peer review? If we establish, if we assume that it, that the advantages of open peer review outweigh 
the uh, blind peer reviews. Um, what what is are people uh, just they haven't thought about it, or is it more uh, there's there's some real uh, concerns about it? There there's some fear, or like what do you guys think is preventing people from from doing uh, open peer reviews? Um, I think basically in terms of open peer review, I guess we're meaning open identities. Um, and I think the significant pushback is kind of really from the worries and the fear um, of retaliation that might happen and affect um, mm. people's career progression and how they're, you know, viewed in the community. And like if they're applying for grants, for example, you know, if you happen to review a senior scientist's work and you're kind of a little bit critical, um, is that going to potentially affect your possibilities in the future to get a progress in your career? Um, and I think that is really significant. And I think even if it's not true, even if it's not actually happening, just the fear of it is enough, I think, to, to potentially put people off. And mm. it's something that, you know, we have to, we have to think about, um, particularly for young scientists um, who are early in their career, for uh, underrepresented minorities and for women too um you know and so mm. and so i think it's it's definitely something that we have to think about um so that's one aspect um coming from the the journals um some might argue that having open peer review in general and particularly open identities could make it harder maybe for them to find reviewers and they already already find it kind of hard potentially to find reviewers um but, mm -hmm. but from some of the journal editors that were actually at the recent ASAP Bio um, peer review meeting, um, a lot of them said, actually, that's not the case, that it's not any harder to find uh, reviewers when you have uh, open peer review, which is um, nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, can you think of anything else, Danielle? Sorry. Uh I am kind of like, I want to go back to the positive ones uh, <laughs> to just talk about the negative sure, 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 because sure. Um, two other important aspects. Um, so I guess like th there has been sh uh, research that shows that um, putting your names on a review makes your reviews better. So mm. just mm. that alone mm. uh, is to me is like a very important uh, point that kind of outweighs all the negatives. And, I, and with this, I don't want to say I totally respect uh, the fear of um you know as, as a as a woman as a student of like putting out there something that that is not um that is considered that it's gonna play against me mm. but i i do believe and, and this is probably like a little naive uh that it's just a, it's a matter of like cultural change mm. and reward ways mm. like if we wait if we start if we have like funding that start looking at how what is your contribution as a scientist to peer review because peer review is like it's like a cornerstone of like scientific, you know, publication, not just, but like just science in general, without, without peer review, we are, um, we are like not, uh, being able, like I, what I'm, I guess what I want to say is that peer review is a very important part of the scholarly communication and it's not rewarded and it's not recognized. It's kind of this like box and nobody knows what's going on. Mm. And so if we start, uh, putting, um, our name into, uh, this peer review, we can start being rewarded mm. for, a good work mm. and uh, and so i you know it's it's really hard for me I, I i think that if we shift the culture in in towards a positive um i guess a more positive approach uh in which like we're all part of the same uh kind of we're all trying to make science better and i know this is gonna sound horrible and people are gonna say yeah like you need you live in the clouds mm -hmm. but 
we can we can like head towards a direction if we continue to uh, give we can we can give anonymity then that also allows for uh, people to kind of like saying do a bad a bad job at what they're mm-hmm. trying to do and not do constructive feedback but like just yeah. Sharing, um, yeah you know um and work with like no this is like not it doesn't sound good or so i i don't know i think that it's very complicated it's a very complex process and i'm really glad that many different uh platforms and like uh, journals are trying different things so we can actually mm-hmm. measure um what what works best and i guess the, the last thing i want to touch on an importance of like signing your peer review is that we can actually do some research about uh bias about like what mm. other patterns in peer review that can uh that can show up you know uh if we start putting names on it which is yes amazing. and so if we if we do start seeing patterns that we can actually do something about it and like mm. kind of improve the way our peer review works but like right now it's more like we think that this would happen uh there are some an- anecdotal you know evidence but then we just don't have the data and i would be really curious to have more of that so we can see if that's actually happening and we've actually been trying to collect some data in a sense in terms of uh, so mm. we have a um we're in our beta testing phase of pre-review so mm. we've been mm-hmm. we were lucky to get um a small amount of funding for from the mozilla science lab and that was provided by the sloan foundation um, and we were really lucky to get that mm. amount of funding because we basically wanted to use that to because we know what we were re- we're researchers and you know young scientists and we know that an incentive to go to a meeting um, is is provided by snacks and drinks um, and so we basically wanted to mm-hmm. use that funding to be able to give that to our beta mm. testers who were then going to do you know a couple of preprint journal clubs um, write up the reviews of those journal clubs put them on pre review and then give us feedback. Mm. Um, mm. And so basically we're trying to collect uh, data on how they found the whole process and how they found, you know, if th- were there any repercussions of, of doing the preprint journal club and were they good, were they bad? And the feedback that we've had so far has been really quite overwhelmingly positive. Like we were really touched mm. when, when we got the feedback mm. because people were so excited about doing them and writing up the reviews. They really felt like they were connecting with the society and, and getting really great feedback from the authors, like Daniela said earlier, you know, they were finding out that their reviews were as good as the, you know, professional reviews in a sense. Um, and mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. we're trying to collect that data, but the more the open peer review is, is the norm, the more we can collect that kind of data. Yeah. No, you, thanks for that summary. I, I guess, I think you guys have really sold me quite well on the advantages of the open peer review, specifically the ability to do research on it, uh, I think is, is absolutely a huge advantage to see the biases. And as well, the other uh, study you mentioned that shows that people do better. I'd love to see that study. Maybe we can find it. In, 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 I linked link to it. To it. Yeah, 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 I have it. Because that will, uh, if the peer reviews are actually getting better as you put your name on it, and I can see psychologically how that would happen, um, that, that seems like a crucial factor right? uh, that, that really right. um, can advance the state. And it leads me to this, well, you briefly touched on it around like showing and getting rewarded for good work. Like, I think that's maybe one of the missing pieces. And, and, and I'm hoping that you guys is efforts is actually addressing that is um, like, if, if I can get reputation for doing really good peer review, mm-hmm. 
that suddenly um, I, I have more and more incentives to do that, right? Because I think as scientists, your your reward function is always going to be to build up that reputation, right? And, and traditionally, it's in in getting it published in high impact factor journals. And and but 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 I think I, I see I'm seeing like different initiatives. You know, there's Lenny Lenny Title Protocols that I that I had on where we were talking about um, you know how does having a, a protocol that is being, you know, uh, uh, bookmarked, uh, forked by others and, and just really becoming a fundamental piece of uh, science, how, how could that potentially over time as well become something that, you know, you might link to on your on your resume when you apply somewhere or something where you say, hey, like people are, people are actually using the stuff uh, I came up with and, and I could see the same thing happening. If uh, there's some kind of reward system or just some kind of function which shows like my reviews are actually being liked or being uh, i don't know shared by other people in the field suddenly then maybe i instead of being being a great traditional scientist and publish stuff i just become an amazing reviewer and i build uh, almost a career a a career on that right well Uh, and that's what we do every day as scientists right i mean we are reading uh we're building our ideas and our new hypothesis on previous literature Mm. and so if we actually practice more uh, doing this constructively i think it's going to help our science in the long run not just like you know, as showing how many reviews you've done, but like help actually your work because you can better uh, evaluate uh, previous work. Like it's just, it's just like everything else. Like the more you practice, the more, and we do this already internally, mm. but I think that formalizing it and putting it into words more often uh, really helps your thought get straight. And like, you know, you might come up with a new idea um, faster. And that's, yeah. I don't know how to measure that, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I see. I see a lot of the advantages of that. Uh, very cool. Um, I think we could talk a lot more about that. I'm, I'm looking at the time. We're seeing we're we're already getting to our uh, sort of the end. But but I do want to ask um, in general or, or uh, what you guys because I'm always also looking for what else is happening and, and maybe um, adjacent to your work or maybe it could be totally outside of your work. But are there specific? Is there um, a technology, a platform, or some kind of research? that has you guys uh, particularly uh, excited uh, or, or something that you, you think our listeners should absolutely know about? Uh, I have one, uh, if I to name one, it would be the DAP mm. project. Um, and that's, um, uh, it's uh, one of the three projects that are right now um, funded by a nonprofit organization called uh, Code for Science and Society. Uh, and the one of the co-executive director is a friend of mine, Danielle Robinson, and we were in the same program. I like, you know, she's uh, she's in, she's incredible. The, the whole team is amazing. And what the prop what the project is about is just really developing a decentralized, uh, uh, I guess, protocol to share mm. data, uh, and it really builds on what the community has learned about Git and BitTorrent and and in general just like the internet and so provides this way for scientists to share their data you know but in a way that it's not just putting your data in the cloud and in you know uh, being basically being a proprietary um, space that is handled by Amazon or something it's more of like mm-hmm. we own you know everyone own a piece and and and, and we exchange that so I would really recommend getting someone from that project on your podcast because uh, they are doing really exciting work. Very cool. Awesome. I think if I was going to quickly say one, it would probably be um, Refigure. Um, I think that's like Mm. a really, really cool tool. Um, It's basically a way sort of 
linking figures together that are already out there um, previously published and new data. And so say you're reading a paper and um, you, you, you find one finding and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if anyone else has done similar. Then refigure basically helps to connect mm. to other published data that's out there that's done a similar technique, whether they found the same or the opposite or something different. And that mm. way you can kind of get a whole um, opinion as to, you know, what's actually happening in terms of the science. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that was, mm. sorry, I was going to say, I think that was supported maybe by the eLife Innovation Initiative. Um, and yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. sorry, Danielle, go ahead. It's pretty cool. Oh, no, 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 it's great. I just wanted to add that I think, and I, I haven't used it yet, but I really want to. Um, it, it allows you just, they, it spits out something where you can compare panels, like where they've done similar experiments, so you can have them one next to each other. Like it just creates a new figure mm. with like some metadata, or I'm not sure about the metadata, but at least like it visually compares the, the mm. panels. And I, unfortunately, I can't speak, because I haven't tried it yet, but mm. I've been in communication with them, uh, and I really think that it's it's uh, it's promising, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that seems that seems very cool. I, I'm wondering if that's something that you have you have to link it manually, or does it use some kind of uh, maybe machine learning and natural language processing to find the, the, the similar experiments, or do you know how that works? I don't know. Okay. It's a Chrome extension uh, that you get on your kind of like uh, a tool that you can. Uh, have on your browser but uh, I think you should just get some of them okay on your great I, w- I will do I'll look into that no it's, it sounds it sounds it sounds quite exciting uh, wonderful guys uh, uh, le- uh, how can uh, listeners uh, find you uh, Twitter handle website uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys so we have um, our website is um, prereview.org um, and our Twitter handle is at prereview underscore and we also have um, a joint Gmail account, which is um, preprintjc at gmail.com. So that will go through to both of us. And yeah, let's get in Great. touch. <laughs> Great. We'll make sure to, to put the, the links up to uh, all of these uh, in, in the blog post that will follow, um, go, go along with this awesome. uh, podcast. Um, guys, that was really interesting, wonderful. I feel like we have a lot <laughs> more things to talk about, but uh, for yep. today, we'll, uh, we'll keep it at that. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This has been Flavio Rump and uh, Bio2040. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share uh, comments and feedback, uh, also critical comments. Also, uh, if you liked it, uh, please give us a rating on the uh, iTunes podcast so that more people can find this podcast and hopefully benefit from it as well. Also, if you have suggestions for guests to interview, those are always very welcome. Uh, And anything really that that, uh, has uh, popped up in your mind, please feel free to reach out. We're always looking to get more understanding of the Model X and uh, what people can do to solve them. So thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.